Binance could face fraud charges from the Department of Justice, uh, but what is the Department of Justice waiting for? Bankless Nation, happy first Friday of August. David, what time is it? Oh, Ryan, it's the Bankless Friday weekly roll-up where we cover the entire weekly news in crypto, which is always an ambitious endeavor, yet we persevere into this bullish frontier. I'm claiming it's bullish this week. It's a very bullish week to me. I think it's a bullish David week. came down from the mountains bullish. Okay, yes. so um, came back bullish. what was the elevation of Matterhorn and how did that go? Uh, the elevation of Matterhorn was 14,690 feet. Okay, um, mark that you, number, you, you, bankless you can't, listeners. You can't necessarily judge a mountain by its elevation. Um, Matterhorn's very steep. Yeah, it was a great I mean, mountain. but that ton of elevation is high though, right? That elevation uh, is high as far as mountains go. I mean, high is high is relative. I wouldn't call it super high. Like Everest is twenty six thousand feet or something like that. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was definitely like feeling the altitude. That's for sure. Did Did you see my comment? That's going to be the elevation of yeah. Matterhorn is going it's to be the, the top e the price of Pico ether yeah. during the next bull cycle. So I'm, give us that number again. Fourteen thousand what? Fourteen thousand six hundred ninety. There it is. Yeah. It has been prophesied. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to like as Ether pumps through this next bull market, it's like, oh, it passed my summit at Baker. Oh, it passed my <laughs> summit at Pollux. Oh, it passed my summit at Rainier. You need to tweet that every <laughs> single time it does, man. That's great. Well, it's great to have you back, Dankless. It, it's really good to be back. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm you Dankless. Dankless. David, David and Bankless is Dankless. That's not it's the great first to have time, you back, David. It's not the first time the word Dankless has been uttered. Uh, I'm very excited <laughs> to be back. It's a very good time to be back. It's a very good week to be in crypto. I, I was a very entertaining week. Um, yeah. Good things happened. Some bad things happened. More good things than bad things, I would say. And like I said, I'm feeling pretty bullish. I don't know about you. All right. No, I'm feeling bullish too. Although there were some bad things that happened this week, mm -hmm. starting with the curve exploit, which we got to talk about. That led to a cascade of events across all of DeFi. Everyone's talking about the CRV token right now. We did an entire episode on that. I think we got to get the recap in today's roll up. David, what else are we covering? What else we got? The base launch date is announced. We're about to drop the base and a meme coin frenzy has already happened on base. So it's already had its meme coin frenzy cycle or at least the first of perhaps future cycles. Richard Hart is sued by the SEC for fraud and issuing unregistered securities. Man, like I never thought I'd see the day, but here we are. So we're gonna talk about all of that and why some people are thinking that the Department of Justice is not far behind. Um, and then also Binance is in the hot seat. And department, speaking of the Department of Justice, investigation for fraud. Are they too big to fail? Does that matter for Binance? Um, what else we got, Ryan? We got some birthdays, don't we? We got a birthday to celebrate in the episode. I'm not, not gonna tell you what birthday we're about to celebrate, <laughs> but uh, it's a big one, it's an important one. So stay tuned in the show, guys, for that. David, while we're here, we gotta shout out our friends and sponsors over at Stater, a new staking protocol that is also decentralized, which is very exciting. David, what's going on with Stater? What do they want the Bankless Nation to know? Brand new staking as a service protocol on the scene with as low as four ether for your bond. So if you want to run a node with Stater, not just stake with Stater, but run your node with Stater because it's a permissionless protocol, you can do this. You only have to stake four ETH. It's one of the lowest capital requirements that I've seen. They also are issuing SD token, the native token of the protocol to people who stake. So if this piques you, there is a link in the show notes to get started staking with Stater. Staking with Stater kind of rolls off the tongue. All right, let's go see what's cracking. Oh, thanks, Kraken, for these fantastic charts. <laughs> what's Bitcoin price on the week? When did you think of that one? <laughs> 
<laughs> not going to lie. It was a while ago. You know, I've been waiting for that. been waiting for you to come down the mountains. Oh, my God. I'm glad you did. Bitcoin started the week at 29400 down 0.3% to 29330 Bitcoin lost a whopping $70. So... That is flatter than flat, I would say. That's pancake flat that right is, there yeah, on the week. Uh-huh. How about ETH price? ETH price, a little bit, a little bit actually down. A little counts, bump? Yeah, you know, down. Um, 18,075, down 1.5% to 1,840. Uh, I didn't say uh, 18,000. We're not there yet. That's later. 1,875 <laughs> down to 1,840. Yeah, 18,000 would be past your Matterhorn peak there. Yeah, you got to yeah. climb a, a higher I, mountain I, I for that to happen. Yeah, okay. that's exactly right. That's a great excuse to go climb another mountain. <laughs> don't. Don't. <laughs> Man, I was, uh, I'm not going to lie, a little bit worried for you on this one. You, yeah. you know, you're posting about like snow conditions and, mm-hmm. you know, whether you should do it or not. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so I think we're good for now. Um, how about the ratio, ETH Bitcoin ratio? Yeah, down about one and a half percent. So 0.062. It's, it stayed in the low 0.06s for a while now. Can I zoom out here for a second? It's been uh-huh. kind of flat summer, hasn't it? Yeah, like, it, well, it's summer? been flat since the start of the last bull market. It's been flat mm. for a very long time. It's been like mm-hmm. two years now. I'm looking back in June. And then this is what Ether does. It on. is a stable coin and then it goes vertical. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it's great. We found our stable coin finally, the decentralized stable coin we've been waiting for. How about um, the crypto market cap, David? 1.2 trillion. Over 1.2 trillion. All right. Hey, man, um, we, we've been up the to- total crypto market cap. I mean, it goes up, it goes down, but it's been on an upward trend for seven months in a row now. Yeah. Ever since well, um, FTX. Yeah. I mean, not too bad to be above a trillion, as we yeah. always say. David, yeah. let's talk about all of that ETH, what it's doing. What is it doing? It's getting staked. Yeah. This is crazy to me. Look at these numbers. Can you read them out? I mean, this isn't new news. It's just the news is that there's more of it happening. 25 million Ether staked is the threshold that we have recently passed. 22 and a half million is actively staking with 2.5 million, over 10% is actively queued up to stake. Waiting to get in. Waiting to get in. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And I think there's like a... 30 to 40 day wait time now. Yeah. Like if you're yeah. in the queue, you got to, mm-hmm. in order to get in the staking club, you got to wait 40 days, 40 which is pretty incredible. Club, yeah. mm-hmm. Man, a lot of interest there. But what happens when more ETH is staked? That means yield goes yields down. Yield go down. Yield go it? down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that okay? Are we happy with that? I don't care. Yeah. Do we? Yeah. Goes yeah. up, goes down. Yeah. I don't know. It's part of the game. Um, part of the game. I mean, y'all talk- can all please unstake and I will gladly take, <laughs> take your take, issuance. He'll take the issuance. David yeah. will take all the MEV. Um, let's talk about a, another type of yield and that is uh, interest payments. Um, interest oh, payments yay. are the fastest growing US federal <laughs> expense. Did you know? What is this chart that we're looking on? Uh, they're about to pass $1 trillion. I'm, I'm of course talking about how much the US government has to pay in interest on its debt. Because, yup, the U.S. government is in a lot of debt. Look at this chart right now. What are we yeah. looking at? Uh, we are looking at the chart of government debt. Um, it it looks like a shitcoin parabola. Um, that's how I would describe this. Uh, yes. So in 1991, we were looking at maybe $4 trillion of government debt. It had already started mm-hmm. to increase pretty fast um, at that point for the decades prior. Moving up to like 2005, we're at a doubling of $8 trillion, uh, in debt. Moving into 2012, we're at 16 trillion, so another doubling. 2019, 20, uh, 22 trillion of debt to where we are now at 32 trillion dollars in debt, and that makes, according to this tweet, about one trillion dollars in uh, interest payments that the government has to make this year. That's Look a lot this. of money. This is, this is more than the U.S. spends on defense. 
Yes. And Ooh. you know the U.S. Oh, spends a lot, a lot on its on military. Defense. That right? sounds We're, like spiraling debt. That sounds like spiraling debt. Well, uh, related to this, Fitch. Fitch is a ratings agency, so they, they rate various debts of different kind. Fitch downgraded the U.S. debt rating, basically their credit worthiness, mm-hmm. um, to AA+, from AAA. And that apparently one one grading lower than yes. AAA is double A plus. These ratings, I think, could do it with a redo, but whatever. <laughs> Crypto can't fix that yet, David. <laughs> yeah. um, their statement was why. So why did they downgrade the U.S.? Uh, a, f- a few reasons. Three, primarily, fiscal deterioration over the next three years. Okay, mm-hmm. that means they expect the um, legislators and uh, Congress and uh, the president to continue spending. Number two, a growing general debt burden. Oh, we we just saw it, $32 trillion. Mm -hmm. Number three, erosion of governance um, related to its peers. So the U.S. having an inability to actually govern itself some of the comments that they gave are, are pretty funny. Um, the U.S. government lacks a medium-term fiscal framework. I think that's related to the, the governance issue. Like they just, you know, we can't govern our own spending. Um, <laughs> the budgeting process is extremely complicated, they cited. Uh, yep. U.S. politicians don't really know what's going on with their own budget. <laughs> Quote, seems you're right. too confusing to even be a proper government. Wait, this who is, said that? Okay, I'm quoting Kyla Scanlon, who's okay. quoting. <laughs> so we're hearing this through the grapevine a little bit. Um, but then also they cited the rising cost of Social Security and Medicare. We got an mm. old population uh, and just like shout out to Kyla and her humor. Boomers are booming. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Um, Luke Raman has a take here. The U.S. cannot mathematically sustain their debt and deficits without sustained negative real rates. That's a problem mm. when you raise rates. Mm-hmm. So don't tell me the downgrade doesn't make sense. Tell me which suckers at the card table collectively have a big enough balance sheet to hold $32 trillion in debt at negative real rates. Yeah, uh, that's a question. I don't know who's buying bonds, David. Mm-hmm. Do you? Who's buying bonds? You buying any bonds? Not, not me. Uh, I'm buying bonds. Ether, ether bonds. the internet yeah, bond. Yeah, the, the, the bonds that are both giving you real yields and also capital appreciation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember wow. talking last week, we were talking about like the Fed because the Fed raised interest rates last week, a quarter, quarter, 25 bips, if you will. Ooh, quarter bips. Yeah. I like, I, uh, I like, I like the cut of your jib, dude. Yeah, you learn these yeah. finance terms. Yeah, you boomer. Um, <laughs> But uh, the the, uh, the comment I made is like, man, I haven't thought about macro or interest rates. We haven't talked about the Fed pivoting in forever now. It's like the markets, A, kind of have has like written off how big of a deal these interest rates are anymore because they are also yeah. slowing down and getting smaller, but also inflation's coming down. But also like all of the points that people have originally made is like, sure, we can jack up interest rates to combat inflation, but... Th- the Fed has a date with destiny and that destiny is to print money at some point in time. And so I think there's a decent possibility that the markets have written off the, the pivot. We've forgotten about it, but at some point mm. in time, the money printer must resume. And whether that's one year, three years, five years, 10 years, I don't know. But like, I think the market has written that off. David, you're starting to sound a little bit like Ray bullish. Dalio to me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I guess oh. you're bullish crypto. <laughs> you're, you're you're bearish um, government debt. Um, mm-hmm. Do you remember? I think it was a couple of roll-ups ago where I asked this question um, about you know all this Fed tightening. Mm-hmm. I mean, interest rates raised from basically close to zero percent all the way to you know five above five percent, right? And I remember being told at that time, and a lot of the pro- prognosticators were saying that will absolutely devastate 
everything. Like that mm. will be a catastrophe. Widespread job loss, like stock market will go down, like all of these bad things would happen. And so, um, I mean, I was told the Fed tightening would nuke everything. And the question is, why didn't it? Mm. Guess what? I think Ray Dalio is a listener to the Bankless Podcast <laughs> because he heard that question, yeah. maybe, and wrote, wrote his an entire article. post yeah. about that this week. And Thanks, Ray. he answered the question. And I think he did a good job answering it. He, here's the... Here's the take from Ray Dalio on why. There was a big government engineering shift in wealth from one, the public sector, the central government and central bank, and number two, the holders of government bonds to the private sector, which are households and businesses. This made the private sector relatively insensitive to the Fed's very rapid tightening to a more normal monetary policy. And as a result of this coordinated government maneuver, the household sector's balance sheets and income statements are in good shape while the governments are in bad shape. So that's why unemployment is low, feels like the private sector is doing okay. The stock market is almost all time high because you know who took all the bullets for us? Hmm. The government, the U.S. balance sheet, that thirty-two trillion dollars that we were looking at over hmm. there, and bondholders. That was the take. Um, he simplifies it a little bit more simply. Central banks took on a lot more debt, so their balance sheets deteriorated, and the central banks printed a lot more money, which caused inflation to rise and bought a lot of the debt to get money into the hands of the private sector, which now, as a result, is in relatively good shape financially. So yeah, bondholders took a haircut. The government's balance sheet took all the bullets. Uh, the private sector's doing okay. Wealth inequality increased even more. Um, and that begs the question of what's the next phase of all of this? And I think hmm. the answer, according to Ray Dalio, is more money printing, as you're saying, but a different type of money printing. We already did the QA th QE thing. We already did you know, the buying bonds thing. The next step, according to Ray Dalio's, you know, long-term cycles and, and his planning is, is basically like helicopter money directly to the people to uh, decrease wealth inequality, all sorts of government programs, fiscal mm. and central bank um, programs kind of become the same and we're just printing money and, and giving it to the people. Uh, that's mm. kind of the next step. Why do the people get the money? That's because, what's the motivation there? Well, because look at things like the stock market's at an all-time high, right? right. Um, but also wealth inequality has increased in the U.S. But don't, don't and, the people need to like, you know, grab their pitchforks in order to induce the motivation in order to get the helicopter money? Ah, yes, David. Right, yes. They're not, they're not going to be like, hey, we've decided to give a distribution to the people. Like, no. I like, mean, look out there. Are you seeing pitchforks? Because I see pitchforks. They might do? be a little bit where, in the distance. Where, I'm not seeing There's pitchforks. so much anger, like politically. I mean, look at our political climate. I think so much of yeah, I'm, I don't, I see. There's a number of step a gap in that happening, and then also helicopter money. I don't see those things like having a smooth directional. I don't think it'll be smooth, but I think that there is increasing anger. Um, you know, we I blame social media for some of these things. Blame the internet for some of these things. I think a lot of the anger, just in general, like the question answer to the question of why is everyone angry, angry. all of the time is due to wealth inequality, due to like shrinking pie, due to lack of economic opportunities. There's, mm -hmm. again, the, you know, the top 10%, the top 1% are doing fairly well in this type right. of environment, but a lot of people are left behind. Mm -hmm. uh, the whole rural versus urban thing, you yeah. know, that's, that's another lens on this. Uh, I mean, we're, we're dealing, 
not to get into politics, but 2024 in the U.S. political scene is going to be real rocky for many reasons, for lots of reasons. But one of them, I think, is uh, part of the wealth inequality story. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the big things that people were looking for is a depreciation of house prices, housing prices. And that has not happened. Like if you you bought at the uh, real estate at the top of the market in 2021, you're doing just fine. (laughs) Like you're doing great. Student debt is another yeah. example that, you know, whole large conversation. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there's many thing areas where this is spilling over into political, but let's move on. Let's talk yep. about uh, yep. Tether for a second. Did you know, David, that mm-hmm. Tether now holds more UST bills than Australia? It's pretty crazy. Alrighty then. Okay. I mean, I don't uh, know how many you know, T-bills Australia holds. Less than Tether. Yeah. <laughs> so Tether, David, has... $72 billion worth of T-bills. And apparently this is uh, larger than the nation state of Australia. So um, there's a comment from Collins Belton about this. Wow, if true, Tether is apparently holding more T-bills than uh, Australia and also the UAE and many other countries. At this point, regardless of whether you believe on their history, I think it's hard to see the US government railroading these guys easily anymore. What does that what mean? Do you think about that. Who's the USG and what's railroading? Uh, USG's government. He's saying the U.S. government. Oh, oh yes, USG. government. What's railroading? Uh, I think what he's saying is basically like um, the U.S. government is not going to shut Tether down, uh, is not going to completely like excommunicate them. Oh, is it them. too big to fail? Yeah. I think that's what he's saying. Basically, when something like this gets too big, the government doesn't kill it because that would be um, too painful for everyone involved. Instead of killing it, they just legitimize it in some way. And so Collins is making the point that this is, seems to be what uh, could be happening with Tether. I mean, they got a lot got more T-bills than most countries. countries. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I've, that's probably bullish for crypto assets because it reduces the systemic risk of Tether. But mm. then crypto just made another bank that's too big to fail. I'm not sure how to feel about this. I don't know. I don't know how to feel I'm gonna either, take. Dave. I'm going to take the bullish side. I'm bullish because of it. All right. It's bull week. So uh, when in doubt, you choose bullish. Uh, David, what do we have coming up next? Coming up next, Curve Exploit and its founder's mega loan sends DeFi into a hot seat. Uh, base surpasses Arbitrum in daily transactions, and it's not even live yet. And That's- a protocol has celebrated its eighth birthday, starting to throw a little bit of breadcrumbs your way. We'll figure out who who or what it is. But first, a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible. We're gonna hear what's cracking from cracking. Let's go hear from them right now. (laughs) Kraken Pro has easily become the best crypto trading platform in the industry. The place I use to check the charts and the crypto prices, even when I'm not looking to place a trade. On Kraken Pro, you'll have access to advanced charting tools, real-time market data, and lightning-fast trade execution, all inside their spiffy new modular interface. Kraken's new customizable modular layout lets you tailor your trading experience to suit your needs. Pick and choose your favorite modules and place them anywhere you want in your screen. With Kraken Pro, you have that power. Whether you are a seasoned pro or just starting out, join thousands of traders who trust Kraken Pro for their crypto trading needs. Visit pro.kraken.com to get started today. Introducing Polygon 2.0, the value layer for the internet. For too long, the limitations of blockchains have held back app development and stifled user adoption. The internet allows anyone to create and exchange information. What's missing is a value layer that lets anyone exchange, store, and program value. That's where Polygon 2.0 comes in. Polygon Labs has unveiled a series of innovations that will radically alter the Polygon ecosystem and Web3 as a whole. By leveraging groundbreaking ZK innovations, such as Polygon ZK EVM, the next iteration of the best 
world-class Plonky 2 proving system, and a first-of-its-kind ZK-powered interoperability layer, Polygon 2.0 will give users and devs unlimited scalability and unified liquidity. Right now, there is a Polygon improvement proposal regarding a potential ZK-powered upgrade of Polygon Proof-of-Stake. If approved, Polygon Proof-of-Stake would become a Layer 2 ZKEVM Validium. So make your voice heard on this proposal by joining the Polygon Discord today. You have a chance to help the Polygon community give the internet the value layer it deserves. Curve Finance was hacked this week and it sent shockwaves across all of DeFi and crypto. David, what happened here? Yeah, so there was a vulnerability in the coding language, Viper, that Curve used for some of its pools. Uh, so this is actually pretty damn deep in the tech stack. Uh, and so I, th I, I don't think it was anything in the way that Curve pools were built, but because they use Viper and because Viper forgot forgot to have these like re-entrancy checks uh, in their in their code base, um, as a result, it allowed for a re-entrancy attack, which is a pretty known attack. It's actually how the DAO hack got drained back in 2016. Uh, and so Curve had a re-entrancy attack thanks to, I guess thanks to, uh, the coding language Viper that forgot to have re-entrancy re checks in it. $70 million was drained from four Curve pools, the Pindle ETH pool, the um, um, Metronome ETH pool, Alchemix ETH pool, and then the Curve slash ETH uh, liquidity pool. Um, about $20 million was actually recovered by white hat hackers and MEV bots, interestingly enough, which is an interesting little side quest of this story. Um, but the, the big story is that because of the Curve ETH pool, $5.1 million of Curve tokens, 7.2 million Curve tokens, uh, was drained and then taken into the exploiter's wallet. Now that, that's one thing, that's that's bad um, because this exploiter gets $7.2 million. The reason why this goes from a bad story about Curve to a bad story about DeFi is because the Curve founder, Michael Igorov, had taken out about $110 million of stablecoin loans against his 460 million Curve tokens, which is was almost $300 million at the pre-exploit price. Then once you put $7 million of Curve tokens into the hands of an exploiter, people start to react to that because that is, you know, we are just one button press away from dumping $5.1 million of Curve tokens into the market. So mm -hmm. people start to withdraw liquidity. People who are providing liquidity to Curve across DeFi, either in stablecoin pairs with um, Curve or, or ETH pairs with Curve, they start to yoink liquidity because they don't want to get dumped on. So liquidity starts to dry up around Curve. And so that makes the liquidity profile around Curve very precarious. And especially when Michael has $110 million of collateral, uh, of, of borrowed stable coins against his Curve collateral. He is under duress. His positions are under duress. And if that at Curve uh, exploiter decided to liquidate his Curve, they would cause a cascading liquidations if, um, if uh, Michael was not able to uh, bolster up his positions. He has since sold about $16 million of Curve to pay back some of his loans, but he still has... 90 something million dollars uh, in uh, loans to pay back across DeFi protocols. Now, here's all of the DeFi protocols that Michael has put curve tokens into and borrowed stablecoins from. Aave V2 is the biggest one coming in at 30, 300 million curve tokens, which is 34% of the circulating supply of CRV. Abracadabra, uh, has 51 million. Fraxlens had 41 million. Inverse Finance had 25 million. StakeDAO had 3 million. Silo had 2 million. This guy put Curve across DeFi and then borrowed mm. stablecoins. Uh, like, like, like I said, 110 million stablecoins. Uh, and so all of these are in precarious positions. If Curve goes down to the price of, I think, 34 cents, 
It's currently at 38 cents, last I checked. But if it ever went to 34 cents, he would be liquidated, and that would Wait, cause- Wait, 38 cents? What Did it get that low? Uh, it, it did flash crash that low, but not to the point of uh, it actually being liquidated in DeFi protocols. So we're still, we're still good here for now. Um, curve price is currently at 58 cents, which is where it was 24 hours ago as well. So mm. we're, he's looking good for now, um, but it's still not a good place to be. Um, why? What did this man do with the $110 million that he borrowed from all these DeFi protocols? Well, just a few months ago, he happened to have bought a $40 million mansion and also a second one. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got two million, like multi-million dollar mansions in Melbourne, Australia, uh, that he bought. One of them he bought just a few months ago. I don't know about the other one. Um, Seems like it could be related to the um, the stablecoin borrowing, but seems we like don't that. know for sure. <laughs> we don't know for sure. Let's say let's. So that's you know a question, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's actually a ton more in this story, and we did a 45 minute, an hour long episode yesterday that got released. Uh, so we are just kind of giving the highest level of recaps. So if. You, so if you want to catch up on this and go dive down into this, there's a there's a fantastic article that Bankless, uh, the Bankless newsletter team put together. Shout out Jack. And then also we, we use that article to inform a podcast that we put out yesterday. Uh, and so that you, we have just given you the high level recap. It, the story goes very deep, um, but that, that's it right there. I mean, the TLDR is we're going to be okay. This is um, yes. not yeah. systemic beyond right now the CRV it, token. Yes. And CRV also, token, and and also, if you are a DeFi protocol governor, then you, who has CRV as collateral, you need to pay attention. But other than that, you're fine. Some cool things going on in the Layer Two world. This is, after all, Layer Two summer. I've mm-hmm. been Layer Two summer for about two years now, yeah, but uh, exactly it's right. definitely Layer Two summer now. <laughs> the base mainnet has just been announced. That the launch date for that. That date is. You ready for it, David? August 9th. Okay, this is next week. The next rollup you hear, mm-hmm. Base Mainnet will be launched. There's already been some activity on Base yeah. Mainnet as well. Um, should we talk about that? Yeah, sure. So Base has been open for developers to go build stuff, and some developers have definitely built stuff, and some people have just went on and minted tokens and meme coins and started trading them. Uh, and so this has been like the news of Base in this last week or so. Uh, this bald token was launched on July 30th, so just like four days ago. It's it literally from, called bald, right? It's called bald. It's called okay. bald. Why is it called bald? Because there's a meme that bald founders are bullish. I'm pretty sure that was DeGen Spartan that started that. And so, you know, this is Brian Armstrong's chain. It's not actually, but, you know, associated <laughs> with Coinbase, therefore associated with Brian Armstrong, who is a bald man, who is a bullish bald man. Uh, and so the bald token was made. <laughs> and so that launched on uh, July 30th. Uh, when all tokens are minted, they all start at a valuation of zero. And that went to $50 million in market cap in just under a day with over $100 million of trading volume. Now, this is a pre-mainnet base. One of the reasons why this just you know rocketed to fifty million dollars in market cap is because you can't actually leave base. Mm. You can only go on base. <laughs> you can't go out of base. There's no off ramp. There is now since an off ramp, but while this thing was pumping, there was no way to get off of base. Uh, and so Bald Token just created fifty million dollars out of thin air. And you know what happened next, Ryan? Uh, tell me. It was a rug. And so as soon as it hit $50 million, the bald deployer yoinked over 1,000 Ether of liquidity and others removed 6,000 
800 ether of, of liquidity and another person released 1800 ether of liquidity. So over about, about 10,000 ether was joint of liquidity. And this thing goes from $50 million down to below $10 million. We are the valuation of bald, not that it matters or you should care, but if you are curious, the valuation of bald is about 11 to $12 million. Uh, as of now, about, as of now, after falling about 90%. And so uh, a short little, you know, token meme coin mania in base, um, but the founders removed about $32 million. Now we've seen meme coins before. I mean that, you know, we've seen a lot of meme coins, of course. This mm-hmm. this is the first on base and it was certainly the largest last Congrats. week. Congrats, base, you got your first <laughs> meme coin. <laughs> and you were just talking about the liquidity being drained. Uh, there's more to that because the the person, the individual who removed the liquidity seems to be the founder of Bald, the instantiator of mm-hmm. the meme coin. Uh, and this individual, the founder, was actually the lead rug puller here and withdrew $32 million of ETH liquidity. Uh, so it was basically a founder rug meme coin mm-hmm. that happened on the base blockchain. Do, do you get so, to call yourself a founder if you just founded a meme coin? Uh, yeah, is that- <laughs> I shouldn't have said founder. I mean, what is that? Scammer? Like Min- a scammer Minter? in chief? I, I mean, I, is it a scam? Because like... You're, what, what is this scam anymore? It, so you're rugging liquidity, truth? but you never, I'm assuming they never brought like advertised, hey, here's what I'm going to do with this base token. And it's then gross. I don't know what it is term we use for it, it but like gross. we'll call it gross. That's for sure. Uh, uh, but there's some conspiracy theories going on about yeah. this on who is the uh, the minter, the, the scammer in chief behind Bulb. Um, so there's a lot of this conversation mm-hmm. going on in crypto Twitter. This is one account uh, hype saying, to summarize, thousands of ETH between FTX and Bald. The Bald deployer was the first voter on all Sushi uh, proposals. Listen to these clues. The Bald deployer tweets the same sentence structure as who? SBF? What? Man. First time we've used uh, those initials in a while. The Bald deployer was the biggest DYDX farmer. The Bald deployer's DYDX post sounds a lot like SBF in terms of Sentence structure, the on-chain activity lines up with court dates and bail of who? SBF? We know SBF was doing stuff through VPN recently. Okay, a lot of the sleuthers are doing sleuth yeah, stuff, okay? Right. Uh-huh. And there is, there where's was that, where's the Where's the Charlie meme of all the people, of all the lines going across all the, the different like clues? This is yeah. total crypto Twitter conspiracy theory, but there is the possibility, at least crypto Twitter was considering the possibility that the rugger in chief was actually our friend SBF. And can you imagine, David, that one of the biggest frauds in history, just like hypothetically, imagine, okay, Charlie, conspiracy theory, gets out on bail from his parents' basement, launches a $30 million rug on one of his biggest competitors' chains called Bald. <laughs> and he thought no one would notice. Like, if that's the case, that's what happened. Now, I personally don't think that's the case after uh, the sleuths on crypto Twitter have kind of batted this around. But I will say it does seem like the individual who deployed this has some ties to Alameda Research, which is, is of course- That is a fact. That is a known fact. That is a fact and uh, is absolutely crazy here. Um, This is another take. Somebody who's been doing some sleuthing. What does this say? Yeah, they say, uh, Igor says, all right, I've been sitting on this news all day, but let's look at the bald base, bald Twitter account, which is the account that issued the base token deployer address. This, this is definitely someone from Alameda, but I don't think we can safely say that it is F, F, FBS. 
This is definitely someone from Alameda, but we cannot safely say that it is SBF, even though he's a psycho, um, is, what, is what this person says. And so, yeah, so if you just sleuth around and you go back to the originating address, there is a, um, it's associated with Alameda Research. Um, so, you know, scammers going to scam. What they do. Wow. Yeah. And they, they say that Sam has no access to um, a laptop or a limited access. So, um, yeah, this, it's this like, it's like, case. I don't know the details of it, but he's like, he can access like the New York Times and, you know, government approved websites. Uh, mm. I bet you he cannot uh, be issuing contract mm. addresses on Ethereum. I bet that is not allowed. So they say, but the conspiracy theory lives on yeah, on crypto uh-huh. Twitter. Um, Anyways, as a happened? result of all this, Bald uh, has made Base surpass Arbitrum again. Before Base is <laughs> launched, Bald transactions surpass <laughs> Arbitrum transactions in daily transaction volume. Five point three million transactions settled in one day, um, mm. which interestingly enough, Ryan has made Base profitable. So the layer two base uh, sequencer has accrued $700,000 of profit in just three days, which is about $85 million on an annual basis. Now this is straight alpha for coin price, in my opinion. Do, do you think Wall Street analysts understand how to value that thing? It's like, it's not, even, it's not even on mainnet and base, Coinbase, whoever, whoever is validating base, Sure. I think 15% of these profits goes to uh, the Optimism Collective, actually. Um, no. But on an $85 million annual basis, pre-mainnet launch, that's what Coinbase would get. As I right doubt Wall Street's considering this, although Coinbase does have an earnings report that, that that's coming out shortly. So maybe we'll see something in that. Um, go out, take a look at that. Uh, I don't think Wall Street's considering it. Although, and so you're saying this could be a bull case, although right. you could also make this a bear case because the driver of all of this profit was a scammy meme coin. And it's possible that U.S. regulators point to Coinbase and say, ah, so this is your, your crypto right. chain yeah. that uh, you, you, you say is going to revolutionize finance in the world. And the very first big hit on it and a is driver a of your profit pool? is a scammy meme coin rug pull, right? So I don't know bearish or bullish on this initial use case here. I choose to interpret the bullish scenario. <laughs> <laughs> it's that kind of week, huh? Although, like, yeah, it is that kind of week. Uh, but, you know, base is a permissionless chain. And uh, just in case anyone was confused, you do not need to go through KYC to get on base. You can go to the base layer two through the Ethereum layer one without doing any sort of KYC. Anthony Cezano had a really good uh, take this week about this. Funniest thing about this launch of base is that it's only meant to be for developers. The official public launch is scheduled for early August. That's August 9th. Um, but DGENs are so starved for volatility that they aped anyways. Amazing. Ah, See, you know, crypto, bullish appetite, crypto. trading appetite is on the table. People want to buy tokens right now. For this crap like, though, it's like casino stuff. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> Hey, you know, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> to- we're going to get there. Tokens are going to token. David, at, <laughs> at some point, the like high utility, good for the world use cases will crowd out yes. and buy the block space from the, dumb, the crappy ones. The dumb that is my use hope. cases come first. The better use cases are harder and therefore come second. Yeah. Say that again so I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> the dumb, stupid, easy use cases come first. The harder okay. public goods Good for humanity, bullish use cases are harder to do, but they come second. Oh, well, speaking of that, I've got another story for you. Uh, <laughs> Richard Hart, do you remember that? A, oh, a remember. dumb, stupid Richard. meme coin uh, token called Hex. What yeah. happened with that this week? Not just Hex. Yeah, so the SEC has sued Richard Hart over Hex 
Pulse Chain and Pulse X, alleging that he raised over a billion dollars across three different unregistered securities since beginning in 2019. He also defrauded investors by using investor funds for personal goods. I think there's plenty of evidence for that on crypto Twitter. And it just he just flashes that around. The lawsuit says that Hart continually touted these investments as a pathway to grandiose wealth for investors, claiming that Hex, for example, was built to be the highest appreciating asset that has ever existed in the history of man. Although Hart claimed these investments <laughs> were that. for the vague purpose of supporting free speech, he did not disclose that he used millions of dollars of pull chain investor funds to buy luxury goods for himself. As a result of this suit, uh, Hex... Pulse Train and Pulse X have all dropped a lot. I put a, I got a chart um, uh, tab if you want to open up that one. Hex went from one penny to half a penny, down fifty percent, mm-hmm. which is pretty bad. Uh, Pulse Chain went from point zero zero one dollars, so one tenth of one penny, down to six hundredth of one penny. This is really annoying because the denomination on these are so low. Okay, that's part of the strategy here. And then Pulse X goes from, I'm sorry about this, point zero 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 three. <laughs> Down to point zero 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 one eight. We should do so these neg- in market caps. <laughs> neg- it's also hard to see the market cap on these things okay. just because of the way that these. Yeah, but anyways, uh, pul- hex is down fifty percent. Pulse chain is down forty percent. Pulse X is down forty percent, which is pretty bad. I put these two charts together. I've layered on the hex chart on top of the Terra Luna chart and also scaled it up to market cap. Did you know that at its very peak, hex was double the market cap of Terra Luna? Wait, what? Yeah. It was worth Hex, $80 billion? The peak At the peak of Hex. It was a top 10 token, bro. At the peak no, of Hex. No, it wasn't. It was. Yes. What is wrong with this industry? Dude, this is what we've been doing, man. <laughs> what? It's not great. <laughs> Hex gonna, was $80 billion, 2x the valuation of Luna uh, before Luna went to zero. Ah. Uh. Yeah. Oh man, okay. This is another part of the story, David. Uniswap, at least on the user interface side, delisted the HEX tokens. The official Uniswap user interface uh, basically delisted it. Mm. Now, does that mean that Uniswap, the protocol, no. has also delisted HEX? No, it does not. It does not mean that. It's Why, David? Specifically the front end. So Uniswap.com does not let you, the front end website that you find in your browser does not let you buy or sell HEX anymore. Uh, Uniswap protocol does not know about the Uniswap.com front end. Those are different pieces of technology. There's many different ways to access the Uniswap protocol. So Hex is still trading on Uniswap. No token can be, has ever be, or will ever be delisted from Uniswap, the protocol. But the Uniswap Labs company who operates the Uniswap.com front end has not, has disabled the ability to buy or sell or interacts with Hex in any particular way, which I think is just completely fine. Can I ask you something? Sure. Right. So um, as as I'm as I was thinking about hex, right? So there's no question in my mind this was sort of a, a self promotional mm-hmm. meme coin for this individual, Richard Hart. His yep. real name is Richard Schuyler, by the way. So Schooler, I'll call him that. Scholar, Richard, schooler. Richard, Rich, it's not Richard as, Schuyler, I think. Sure, it's not as, as cool as Richard Hart. <laughs> I mean, he used this to personally get wealthy. Mm-hmm. I, I remember, um, David, you know, as part of the kind of the ledger leak, all sorts of addresses were leaked, these, these sorts of things. I actually received a physical mailing from um, Hex and Pulse Chain no promoting way. their token. No right? way. I, I don't know that this came from Richard Schuyler or who this came from, but like on Twitter, everything, it was, it was very yeah, clearly yeah, yeah. a pump and dump Right. Uh, mimetic scam coin promoted mm-hmm. by an individual, right? So um, 
I, it's incredibly distasteful, not what this industry should represent. Mm -hmm. We could go on about it. I think the question in my mind is, what is the actual difference between hex and XRP though? <laughs> All right, so here, here's, here's the problem. I worry with the SEC. Um, I cannot defend this individual, this project, cannot defend it at all. But if you give the SEC an inch, they'll take a mile. And I expect they will make similar, similar arguments that they made in the XRP case, um, in the Hex case. And who is willing to defend Hex, yeah. Richard? Yeah. Who is willing to defend Hex? Who is willing to defend Pulse Chain? I'm certainly not, right? But is it a security? Is the asset itself a security? Is Baldcoin a security? Are all of the dog coins a security? I don't think they are. So I'm not entirely excited that the SEC is coming for a uh, token. I'm sort of excited about the outcome that, you know, hey, we get another kind of scammer off the streets, right? That's great. That's great. Um, but what about the precedent? What, what's your reaction to that? What do you think about this? Yeah, it... I think the point that you are making is that XRP and a hex, it can be claimed that they serve very similar pre, uh, purposes, which is to enrich the issuing entity. The one, the major difference between Ripple is that they actually had some intent of doing interbank settlement transfers, as scammy as one might think Ripple is. They actually had some intent of building something. And one might say that Richard, well, he did build a chain. He, he raised a billion dollars and maybe he spent $1 million actually building the thing that he promised to. But the intent is just so different. Also, I don't think ever Ripple directly like touted financial gain about XRP. And if you, the lawsuit says, Hart continually uh, touted these investments as a pathway to grandiose wealth for investors claiming that Hex was built to be the highest appreciating asset that has ever existed in the history of man. That, I don't think I, Ripple ever did that. I guess what I'm saying is I don't know that um, this passes the Howey test any more than XRP does. Yeah, if a, if we went through the litigation process, I, you, I think what you're saying is like, yeah, you would find similar, the reasons why XRP is not a security might be similar to the reason why Hex is not a security. Yeah, and so then, the, then, the then intent of the founders is right. so subjective right. or like the intent of the issuers is so subjective. And then you're, then, then you're saying it's like, okay, while we can't support Richard Hart and I would like to see him punished, is this the method that we want to see that happening? And I think you're calling into question that. And I'm happy just to take, this isn't the appropriate way of using Occam's razor, but just taking the simple approach of saying like, I don't give a fuck. I want the man in jail. I just worry about the precedent this sets in general. It's like Gary Gensler stacks it up as a win. What an easy target. It's kind of the same thing they did with SBF basically, mm -hmm. which is like, of course, SBF was a scammer and no one could defend him. And like, then they go and they present and they, they see exhibit A, this is what crypto is. Here's your God. Here's your hero. His name is Sam Bankman-Fried and he perpetrated one of the largest scams in history. Uh, that's all crypto is. And they win their cases that way and they chip away at us. Um, so that's what I'm worried about, the kind of the credible neutrality is. But like, what's weird is now it sounds like I'm defending Richard Schuyler and Hex and Pulse Chain, and I'm Hands not off doing Richard, that. SEC. <laughs> <laughs> I am not doing that at all, to be clear. I just, I worry about the precedent this sets. But it might not just be the SEC yes. uh, bringing a case against him. What, what's this piece of the, the story? Okay, so this is now speculation. Um, but Martin Screlly uh, was engaging with uh, Eric Wall. And Eric Wall, is um, he's been interestingly a part of like the whole Hex ecosystem, not as a promoter, as like one of the guys trying to take it down and mm -hmm. like help help 
prove the fraud to the hexagons, even though they don't want to see it. Anyways, Martin Screlly is replying to Eric Wall. And uh, Martin Screlly is the guy who went to jail for uh, jacking up, I think, like EpiPen costs. Remember him? And now he's in crypto. Yeah. Um, and so he goes, if you look at page 90 of the sentencing guidelines, he is already at 40 points which if you look up the sentencing chart in the same PDF is recommended life sentence with all the victims. It's a rough situation if he gets cuffed. So this is, I think some, um, this is talking about the department of justice. And so Martin Screlly is saying that he might rack up enough, whatever these points are rack up enough points. And Martin Screlly would be very familiar with this as, as somebody who he racked up, he said 39 points. And if you get to 40 points, the sentencing, sentencing chart can put you in jail for life. What are um, these points? Is this like, like fraud? Uh, that you're doing I think, something yeah, that is different I'm not, than... I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, I've never, I've never racked up any points. I've never been charged by the Mi Department of Justice. <laughs> Misappropriation? Yes. Right. Yeah. It's a different set of causes. And these, ca these things seem more relevant mm -hmm. to uh, the individual in question, at least in my opinion, rather than the SEC making a determination as to whether some particular meme coin is a security mm -hmm. or not. I just don't want them to do that. But I do yeah. want our justice system to um, catch scammers. Right. That would be nice. So I asked Martin Screlly, what do you think the odds are that the Department of Justice picks this up? And he goes, 99% if they have the goods on misappropriation, which I seem that they likely do. And he goes, it's likely that he um, cops, he like uh, settles to 10 to 15 years in uh, jail. If he goes to trial, 25 to 30 years is easily on the table. So I don't I, I'm trusting Martin Screlly is not something that I would do, but he has, he, he's got experience in this matter, having gone through this. Uh, and so he's saying that it's, it's likely that um, eventually we will find Department of Justice charges upon Mar um, Richard Hart. Meanwhile, David, in another court, uh, do you remember Kyle Davies, the uh, Three Hours Capital co-founder? How could I forget? Well, he uh, said he apparently renounced his U.S. citizenship. Oh. And so as a result of doing that, I'm no longer an American citizen. U.S. courts have no jurisdiction over him. You Is that how that. that works, David? You, can you, you can do, do that? that? Can, can I just say I'm not a citizen? If you break if you break a law and you just you know, I was never I, a citizen. I actually listened to it. There's an old Planet Money episode about this. I used to love Planet Money. It's gone. It hasn't gotten been so great lately. But they did they did an episode on people who just like declared independence from citizenship so they uh, wouldn't have to pay taxes. Really? Yeah. There's been like a handful of court cases about this who people just say I'm not a citizen anymore, and they're they're also living inside of the United States when they do this. Uh, and there's been a whole series of like legal efforts about this. It's you can't do it. <laughs> they, they won't let. It, it doesn't you. work that way. It doesn't apparently. work like that. No, not at all. Um, well, so that I mean, he's just trying to abscond from participating in bankruptcy and and all these things that he has to do. Um, he is currently in Dubai, I believe, uh, which is a non-extradition uh, country. Um, but uh, yeah, basically Kyle Davies is saying that the United States courts can no longer tell him what to do because he declares to no longer be a citizen of the United States, which wow. again, the United States says you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, ra certainly racking him up this year, David, you have mm -hmm. a tweet here. Do Kwan jailed in Montenegro awaiting extradition. Alex Mashensky charged by the Department of Justice. Check. SBF house arrest awaiting trial. Check. Three hours capital permanently exiled from the U.S., and all extradition countries, we'll see, check. Richard Hart sued by the SEC, speculation of DOG indictment. What? Why are you putting this checklist together, David? This goes back to our permission to be bullish weekly roll-up. Was that last week's permission to be bullish? Man, yeah. like, we're cleaning up the industry. Like, Richard Hart sued by the SEC. I will say, fingers crossed, that the Department of Justice is not far behind. Three hours capital, like, 
they're not in jail, but they are quarantined as far away from the United States as possible and all United States allied countries, you know, the West. So they could go to jail. I will give like a two-thirds, a majority checkbox, but there's still left to be do things to, to be done there. Same thing with SBF. He's under house arrest. He's awaiting trial. I'm assuming he's going to go to jail if I want to have place faith in society. Alex Wysinski, charged by the Department of Justice. Do Kwan is in Montenegro awaiting extradition to the United States. It's what, Who else is there? We got him. We got them all. You know, another question here is, does this act as a deterrent for mm. the next cycle? Mm. When a new scammer thinks there's easy mm. prey out there in crypto, and I'm going to launch my token, I'm going to do my fraud, I'm going to do it this way. When they look back, back and they see, well, the previous cycle, look what happened to the, the scammers in chief last time. Justice was served. Does it act as a deterrent? Because if so, that is also bullish moving forward. It means, hopefully... Yeah. We have less scammers entering the space yeah. because um, it works like the real world, right? If you commit fraud and it's egregious, then justice will be served. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that is bullish as well. Yeah. Richard Hart got away for all of his shenanigans for way too long. Do you know there's a documentary being made by him? About Richard Hart? About Richard Hart. About Hex, yeah. August 4th and 5th? Wow, that's in two days. Oh my you know, God, the timing of this is great. The documentary Oof. industry has to love this. Like Hollywood's got to love what happened in crypto in you know the last few years. Yeah. Uh, so much material. There so much are content. so many stories that are some of the craziest sitcommy stories. Ones that crypto Twitter does know about. Ones that they don't. That I wish all of them could come to light, but there's too <laughs> many of them. We'll get a few though. I yeah. think we'll get a few. Yeah. Uh, David, <laughs> speaking of great content, what's coming up next? Coming up next, ETH is getting an ETF at least a futures ETF perhaps. Binance could face fraud charges from the Department of Justice. Uh, but what is the Department of Justice waiting for? We'll talk about that. Two protocol birthdays this week. These answer, these birthdays keep on changing. Something turns eight, something else turns two. The WorldCoin debate continues. Some angles that we might've missed that we're gonna cover. And also $750 million magically appears in Bitcoin buy pressure. Where'd it come from? I don't know. But we're gonna get to all these stories and more. But first, a moment to talk about our fantastic sponsors that make this show possible, especially MetaMask Portfolio, the portfolio you need to help navigate the incoming bull market because we're feeling bullish. We're gonna go hear from them right now. Are you a MetaMask user? Well, you're listening to Bankless, so of course you are. The wallet you know and love just got a whole lot better. MetaMask Portfolio is the ultimate one-stop shop for all of your crypto needs. It gives you a holistic view of your crypto portfolio across multiple chains and multiple addresses all at once. You can easily view and manage all your coins, tokens, and NFTs in one convenient place just by connecting your wallet. MetaMask Portfolio goes beyond just viewing your portfolio, though. Inside the portfolio, you can do all the incredible money verbs that make DeFi so powerful. You can buy, swap, bridge, and stake your crypto assets with ease. It's like having a powerful battle station for all your DeFi moves right at your fingertips. So if you're looking to do more in Web3 your way, MetaMask Portfolio is the answer. I already know that you have MetaMask Wallet, so go check out your MetaMask Portfolio. Learn more at metamask.io slash portfolio. Arbitrum is accelerating the Web3 landscape with a suite of secure Ethereum scaling solutions. Hundreds of projects have already deployed onto Arbitrum 1 with a flourishing DeFi and NFT ecosystem. Arbitrum Nova is quickly becoming a Web3 gaming hub and social dApps like Reddit are also calling Arbitrum home. And now Arbitrum Orbit allows you to use Arbitrum's secure scaling technology to build your own layer 3, giving you access to interoperable, customizable permissions with dedicated throughput. All of these technologies leverage the security and decentralization of Ethereum and provide a 
builder experience that's intuitive, familiar, and fully EVM compatible. Faster transaction speeds and significantly lower gas fees. Arbitrum empowers you to explore and build without compromise. Visit Arbitrum.io where you can join the community, dive into the developer docs, bridge your assets, and start building your first app on Arbitrum. Binance could face fraud charges from the Department of Justice. The U.S. DOJ officials are considering fraud charges against Binance, but they're concerned about the cost to consumers, according to people familiar with the matter uh, reported by semaphore.com. Federal prosecutors worry that if they indict Binance, it could cause a run on the exchange similar to the one that befell the now bankrupt platform FTX, causing customers to lose money and potentially spurring a panic in the crypto market. Um, Binance and its co-founder CZ are already facing charges, of course, from the SEC, in addition to the Commodities Futures Trading Commission. So the Department of Justice wants to charge Binance with fraud, but they're not going to out of fear that it will cause an FTX-style run on the bank, which is interesting. <laughs> I, Do you want to interpret that as bullish <laughs> this week, David? Okay, so either CZ <laughs> and Binance are completely solvent. There's probably fraud but they could be completely solvent and they're not getting charged by the DOJ because the DOJ doesn't understand how to tell the difference between FTX and Binance mm. or Binance does have a hole in its balance sheet and the Department of Justice does know something and so this is a real concern. I'm going to cautiously go with the former because I kind of am grouping Binance and Tether FUD as the same things. Like I've heard 10,000 Tether FUDs. I've heard about 5,000 mm -hmm. Binance FUDs. Mm -hmm. um, but that is the news. Yeah, my, who knows? It's is always been our take. Like, it's really hard to speculate. You just don't um, know. I guess my speculation, though, is there's no way this is as bad as SBF if there's something no, here. No, no way. There's no way. Uh, yeah, yeah. But there might be something here. We don't yeah. know yet. But CZ's yeah, yeah. response, as usual, is what? Four. 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 What does that mean? He tweeted this out for uh, the morning of... Four uh, is yeah. his his shorthand for ignore FUD fake news and attacks. So um, nothing going on here. Just four. Um, what according, would you expect me to say, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No matter what, four. Yeah. David, did you know this though? China is actually Binance's largest market by far. Twenty percent of their trading happens in China, and I thought crypto was illegal in China, but apparently it's the largest market for Binance. You know what I don't know is how does China feel about Binance? How does the Chinese government, what is their stance towards Binance? Do they care about it? Do they not care about it? Do they think it's good? think it's bad? I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know the answer either. Although, um, didn't Binance originate? In China? In, yeah. And then had to move? Yes. Um, there's crypto bans. It's yeah. not a friendly uh -huh. jurisdiction. Yep. So it, you know, it can't be super friendly. I mean, they're, right. they're not in great terms. Right. Um, but this is crazy. Do you know, even if Binance totally pulled out of the US and Europe, as a result of this, they'd still be the largest crypt crypto platform in the world yeah. in terms of trading volume. It's pretty That's how big Asia is. It's pretty hard to state how big Binance is. Binance is like, wow. like 70 to 80% of all crypto trading volume and Coinbase is not 15. Maybe it is 15-ish. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll watch that. We'll have to see how that evolves. David, it's birthday time. We've been teasing the entire episode. Whose birthday was it this week? It's Ethereum's birthday. <laughs> Ethereum turned eight. Ethereum turned eight on July 30th is when the first proof of work block got minted by Ethereum uh, in 2015. Um, it's been a crazy, crazy journey. Here's uh, Left Terrace on the day of the, uh, and I'm pretty sure that's Vitalik, uh, on the day of the first block of Ethereum. Yeah. Wow. Eight years. You know what's crazy? 
I, wow. I came in, I remember coming into crypto and this is something I tell all newcomers into crypto. I came into crypto in 2017, two years, two and a half, two years after Ethereum got started. And I felt so late, so incredibly <laughs> late. And now we're eight years into Ethereum and people are gonna, people coming in probably in 2021 probably feel the same. Crypto has a way of making you feel late. Eight years, man. It's eight years. Eight, look, that's what, like second grade? I mean, that's, that, that's still pretty young. Like just that's an eight-year-old. Year, yeah, it's very young. Yeah. Uh-huh. $400 billion in secured value. You add up all of the tokens. $3.6 billion in annualized profits. Thanks, Ultrasound Money, for that. Uh, and a total of 17.8 million blocks of uncensorable digital property. That's not too bad for an eight-year-old, Not huh? bad. Yeah, it's not better than, I, than me at eight years old, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, Ethereum. Uh, and maybe to celebrate... Uh, something's going on in the Ether Futures ETF race. What's this? Yeah, so here, here's what uh, Ether gets for turning eight. It gets an ETF <laughs> Futures. And so uh, a handful of uh, companies, uh, Bitwise, Van Eck, ProShares, Grayscale, uh, Volatility Shares, have all submitted an ETF Futures for Ether. Uh, six of them. Uh, all at once, interestingly enough. That's actually, when you think about it, you know, eight years time to get here, that's not too bad. Not too bad. Like all the way from like a, a right. you know, just a project in a white paper yep. in somebody's head all the way to like the CME regulated futures yep. for a new type of digital commodity. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. How, how much is uh, Ether market cap right now? 150 billion? No, something I can like think that? it's like 200 something. I mean, it's, it's like top, top 50 uh, assets worldwide. Yeah. Uh, $220 billion dollar market cap. There you go. Doing great. Um, that Doing great. that ETF might happen mm-hmm. before the Bitcoin ETF, which might be interesting. Now, this is not a spot ETF. This is a futures ETF, and Bitcoin mm-hmm. already has one of those, but this would be the first time. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of cool news. And David, as usual, the Canadians are ahead. Uh, <laughs> while Americans are fumbling <laughs> around with here. the futures ETF for ETH, powerful <laughs> Canadians will start staking ETH in their spot ETH ETF later this month. This is DJ Spartan. Uh, Canadians already have a spot ETH ETF. So what is America waiting for? Wow. I think that's the question. I love how it's staked. That's so good. Yeah. So the it's ETF staked. isn't Ether. It's staked Ether because of course it would be. What? That way makes better. sense. That makes yeah. Sense. Buy your internet bond. Oh my bond God. That's there's the going to be so much ETH staked. They're going to nuke our <laughs> yields, bro. We're totally going to nuke our Canadians. yields. Canadians. Uh, David, you know, that wasn't the only birthday though. We also yeah. have to celebrate another like baby birthday, a two-year-old. Uh, yeah. Coming up, coming up, up this week is not yet. So we are on the cusp of EIP 1559 turning two. This was August, early, the, the first furnace. week of August 2021 is when Ether started being burned for the very first time. Uh, as of, of now, as of two years, $10 billion of Ether has been burned, um, which is just nuts. $9.6 thousand of Ether burned every single minute for two years in a row. You know, David, somebody brought this to our attention. Um, so that is EIP-1559. So that's a, a different type of burn on kind of transaction fees. Mm-hmm. What would happen if we started burning MEV? Oh, you mean as in what is going to happen in the future when we put MEV burn into the protocol? I mean, that's that's a likely wow. future trajectory. What, what are we looking at here? We're looking at a chart of Ether burn with and without MEV burn. With MEV burn we would be what? Very deflationary, <laughs> this looks like. So without MEV burn, we have been net deflationary by negative 0.285%. Okay. With MEV burn, we would have been negative half a percent. So 
we would be twice as deflationary with MEV burn than we currently are. Oh, almost twice. Horizon. Almost twice. Uh, man, uh, the furnace just keeps getting bigger. Love it. And it's and and Ryan, it's still a bear market. The bull market's ahead of us. <laughs> imagine <laughs> the burn. That. Imagine the burn then. <laughs> Uh, this is a release from MetaMask. Attention stakers, you can now stake your Matic with MetaMask Portfolio. Check it out. Um, mm-hmm. We talk a lot about MetaMask Portfolio. Um, mm-hmm. MetaMask is actually a, a bankless sponsor, but this is really cool to see. Their user interface in the, in the portfolio app, and you can actually stake your Matic tokens. You mm-hmm. can stake Ether as well. But right. adding another verb to the MetaMask Portfolio, stake, to stake, yeah, so, okay, so this, I think, is, A, this is cool because MetaMask Portfolio, we're going to talk about um, with what I'm bullish on, and it has to do with setting up my battle station, my bull market battle station, um, which mm. you should do, uh, teaser. Um, but MetaMask is now making it easy to stake for a Layer 2 network. Do you think it stops at Polygon? No, it doesn't just stop at Polygon. All Layer 2 networks, once they decentralize, once they become permissionlessly validated, you're going to be able to see that stake button Oh. Am I allowed to do this? Uh, yes. Uh, t- tomorrow, I don't think the announcement is out, but today, Offchain Labs is announcing shared sequencing, permissionless oh. validation of Arbitrum. So oh. you're going to be able to stake your Arb token and validate the Arbitrum chain. So what? Arbitrum, stake. Optimism, stake. ZK Sync, stake. Any layer two that gets to the point of decentral- decentralizing the sequencer and allows for permissionless validation is going to be a stake button. I mean, probably. So... Uh, there should, would, there definitely should be, and yeah. w- why stake for yield, right? For the yield, bruh. Yeah. Peace. Stake, uh, stake your ether for the layer one. Stake your layer two tokens for the layer two. Everyone, pick your layer twos that you think is going to get the most yield, and press the stake button. That's probably coming to MetaMask portfolio eventually. So much cool stuff going on. Uh, this is another cool thing going on. This was an EIP that almost escaped my attention. EIP six nine six eight. This is almost, Kevin Owaki writing this. Six eight six nine six. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> it's waiting for you to get that one. <laughs> Cut me not getting that joke. No, don't do that. Keep it in. <laughs> Keep it in. <laughs> Enables ecosystem chains. What is an ecosystem chain? It's a chain with contract secured revenue (CSR). That means the contract deployers can earn sequencer fees when their contracts consume gas. Okay, break this down for mm. the layman. What is this EIP proposing? Yeah, so this is, uh, remember Canto? Remember the Canto chain that had a brief moment yes. of, yeah, uh-huh, um, but no, went no longer. Um, don't slam, <laughs> don't slam, David. <laughs> so Canto was, all, help yourself. Canto was all about uh, a chain because of CSR, contract secured revenue. So if you built a chain, a, a contract on Canto, you would get fees at any time as a developer, you would get fees any time that you, somebody use your contract. It's like a sustainability mechanism. So this has, like all things, anything that's been put into a chain is now an EIP for Ethereum. This is the way that it goes. This is, oh, never mind. Um, EIP 6968 is contract secured revenue for layer two. So this is meant to be for layer two specifically. Uh, and so any layer two can accept this EIP to create a contract secured revenue primitive on top of their layer two. Uh, and so it's an incentive to get devs like, it pays devs. Like if you are a dev and you make a contract on a layer two and people use your contract, you get money. So it's a financing mechanism. It's so huge. I think this is massive. I think it's incredibly bullish. So what this means is basically like if you create a kind of like a public good, you don't Mm -hmm. have a monetization mechanism. Like let's say you create a a very cool stable coin 
on a layer two that starts to accrue a lot of um, value, a lot of you know, you know tran- transactions around it. You actually get paid mm-hmm. sequencer fees in order to do that. It's a whole new business model, I think, on top of layer twos, and that's what's exciting here. Yeah, there's a, been a lot of debate about contract secured revenues and the economic models behind it, and whether they're good or sustainable or not. We haven't seen them actually meaningfully get adoption, and perhaps there's good reasons for that. Maybe we haven't seen enough experimentation. Um, but now we are seeing this experimentation uh, move to the layer twos. Speaking of moving to layer twos, uh, <laughs> the, the layered the temperature check for Cello. Uh, this is the temp check of the Cello layer one. Uh, the governance checks like, hey, do we want to move to a layer two? Past a hundred percent to zero. Uh, okay, not completely zero. Fifty six million to six hundred and thirty two. Uh, mm. Call that 100 to zero. Uh, so so Cello is two. officially going to be a layer two. Yeah. Uh-huh. We spent a lot of time last week talking about WorldCoin. I think there's just a couple of things to to tie off. Um, the first is this tweet thread from Eric Wall. It's actually almost like a Twitter post these yeah. days. Uh, it's pretty long, so we probably can't read all of it, David. But what's uh, what's the TLDR here? Eric Wall does a fantastic job just unpacking technical subjects for laymen. And so it's, it's simply too long. There's maybe, it's almost a thousand words, I'd say. Uh, so I can't read it. It would take five to 10 minutes, but there's a link in the show notes to go read this tweet thread. I think if you want to understand the strengths and weaknesses of WorldCoin and specifically where those weaknesses are and why this thing might not work, this tweet thread is for you. Uh, he just unpacks all the nuances very, very well. Um, and, and so if you just want, if I feel actually like complete on the world coin conversation because of this tweet thread, this is just such a weird, awkward photo of Sam Altman. Um, God, <laughs> this that, is that, a mid journey photo, David. This is, is there's it? no way this is real. There's no way this, this is gotta real. be, it's gotta be. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I don't, that you, a human would not know not to post like that. <laughs> uh, okay. So that's, so that, that's the call to action for, if you want to read this tweet thread, I highly recommend it. Uh, also this week I saw a tweet here that Ryan's got pulled up from Martin Koppelman, who's also a creator of a different decentralized identity protocol. And so he, uh, who was retweeting this tweet that um, did some uh, address analysis from WorldCoin addresses. So they've detected um, like in this tweet, um, in this image, three different clusters of WorldCoin addresses that all appear to converge down to one address. And so it looks like 130 individual addresses actually are just three people. Stock bucket puppets, Exactly. So it has been... Um, Sybil attacked. And so if you read the Eric Wall Twitter thread, X thread, um, he, basically the TLDR is like, yeah, every single WorldCoin account is 100% verifiable, a unique pair of eyeballs. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that it is in the hands of a unique person. And this is what we are seeing here today. So this, the whole premise of WorldCoin and even anyone giving legitimacy to WorldCoin, which in- included me, base is based on the fact that they can actually produce civil resistance. And if they can't do it, then this thing is worth zero. Uh, and so, uh, it's not, yeah, that's the base requirement for decentralized mm-hmm. identity is you have to be civil resistant. If you're not, right. then the solution just doesn't work. So, yeah. um, just because yeah. you can prove unique eyeballs does not mean you can prove unique humans. And so that this is the weakness that is, seems to be appearing with the world coin, um, with the WorldCoin thing. Binance received um, a deposit address of a bunch of WorldCoin tokens from 100 different, uh, 150 different wallets within 48 hours after launch, profiting mm. about $10,000. Um, so this is, you know, hey, that UBI WorldCoin distribution, somebody is farming that. Many people are farming that and they're profiting from it, which breaks the whole system. 
Yeah, um, you got to yeah. fix that if you're going to do this well. Yeah. Um, MicroStrategy, David, they're continuing to buy Bitcoin. Um, MicroStrategy is about to pump another, what, $750 million into Bitcoin? Dude, it, thin air, man. They just are, they're minting MicroStrategy shares out of thin air just to buy Bitcoin, and it's working. I totally knew this would work. Um, Sailor is channeling demand for Bitcoin ETF into demand for MicroStrategy shares. He's printing infinite MicroStrategy shares and buying finite. Finite. Bitcoin, buying yeah. Finite Bitcoin. Central banks and governments should take note. Maybe they're the next ones to do this is is kind of the point. You know, um, I was looking at like an old E-Trade account I have, and there's a boomer. There's a crypto section in E-Trade. And you know what they recommend? Because you can't actually buy, you know, a spot ETF. Uh-huh. Of course, the grayscale products, that kind of thing. Also, micro strategy. If no you want shit. crypto exposure <laughs> in your E-Trade account, then buy micro strategy stock. And they're not wrong, but it's they're so dumb. messed up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to oh. chalk that up to TradFi failings. Last bit of news here from uh, DCG says it's close to reaching an agreement on its Genesis Chapter 11 bankruptcy. So in a letter to investors, DCG says, after a month of tireless negotiations led by DCG leadership, we are close to reaching an agreement in principle to resolve the claims in the Grayscale Chapter 11 cases. So we expect to bring these cases to a close soon. Uh, so maybe the Grayscale, uh, excuse me, the DCG um, uh, story is coming to a close here, which yeah. is uh, just around the, the mark, the time for the bull market to start. So that makes sense. Yeah. And getting that story closed would be bullish. Um, David, Damn we straight. got some, Damn straight. we got some bullish questions mm-hmm. coming at us. Uh, number one, will OP tokens accrue value? How does base fit in? That's a question from a bankless listener. Also, are L2s as safe as Ethereum? We'll get into that. And there's also a pretty hot Vitalik take this week Mm. on the state of crypto right now and it's bullish of course the theme of this episode (laughs) would vitalik say that it's bullish i don't know i'm gonna i'm putting words in his mouth but guys we'll be right back (laughs) we will be right back with all of that just after we thank the sponsors that made this episode possible mantle formerly known as bitdao is the first dao-led web3 ecosystem all built on top of mantle's first core product the mantle network a brand new high performance ethereum layer 2 built using the op stack but uses eigenlayer's data availability solution instead of the expensive ethereum layer 1 not only does this reduce mantle network's gas fees by 80 percent but it also reduces gas fee volatility, providing a more stable foundation for Mantle's applications. The Mantle Treasury is one of the biggest DAO-owned treasuries, which is seeding an ecosystem of projects from all around the Web3 space for Mantle. Mantle already has sub-communities from around Web3 onboarded, like Game7 for Web3 Gaming and Bybit for TVL and Liquidity and OnRamps. So if you want to build on the Mantle network, Mantle is offering a grants program that provides milestone-based funding to promising projects that help expand, secure, and decentralize Mantle. If you want to get started working with the first DAO-led Layer 2 ecosystem, check out Mantle at mantle.xyz and follow them on Twitter at 0xMantle. Hiring people worldwide, paying them in crypto, providing them access to benefits, it all so complex. But it doesn't have to be. Complying with labor laws, payroll rules, tax obligations, and crypto regulations in every country that you employ someone is difficult, time-consuming, manual, and costly. And it's drawing more and more attention from regulators and governments. But there is good news. Toku is here. Toku is the first employment and compensation platform for the crypto industry that makes this easy. Toku helps you hire employees or contractors and 
pay them in fiat or crypto legally, compliantly, and with all the taxes handled in over a hundred different jurisdictions. So whether you're an early stage company with just a team of two, or you're an enterprise with 200, Toku has a solution that meets your needs. Toku is already working with the leading companies in the space, Protocol Labs, Hedera, Gitcoin, and many more. So transform your employment and token payroll operations with Toku. You can reach out to Toku at toku.com slash bankless or click the link in the show notes. Question from Keifu. I think I've heard of value accrual to OP from the main OP chain via fees and MEV, but will there be any value accrual from other OP chains like base to the OP token itself? How is a layer two token like OP going to accrue value, David? Yeah, so this is a really, really good question. I, I think from the early days of base uh, mainnet launch, they said that they committed that they, A, want to be a part of the OP collective because they used the OP stack chain to, to create base. Mm-hmm. And being a part of the OP collective means that you need to contribute some of your sequencer fees of your layer two towards the OP collective to help finance the retroactive public goods funding effort, basically put the money in the OP collective. It's like a tax uh, on revenue kind yeah. of thing. I think the number is 15%, um, 10 to 15%, I think is right. We are, like I said earlier in the episode, we are doing a episode with Ben Jones and Jesse from base about the law of chains, which is how this standard is going to be set. And if you are an OP stack chain and you want to be a part of the super chain, you must abide by the law of chains, which assures some level of block space quality and assurances while also, and also like what, what does it mean to be a part of the OP collective? And that's probably where a certain number, I think, again, I think the number is 15%, but it's probably up to governance anyways. That's kind of cool. It's like a confederation of chains. It's a a union. Yeah, it's a union of chains. Yeah, You can choose to be a part of it or not, but if you do choose to be a part of it, you have to pay your taxes. Yeah, exactly. Right. So 15% of that base revenue that we were talking about earlier goes to the Optimism Collective. The Zora chain, you know, 15%. Um, Worldcoin, if that is a thing that lasts, 15%. I think, again, we do your own research. If the 15% is the correct number, I will ask Ben and Jesse what that number is when we do the episode with them. Um, uh, but I think that episode, that number is public somewhere that was announced way back when with the, with the base train. Anyways, I'll, uh, we will get those details. So that, that's how this works. Um, so that, this is why this is the model for OP, the OP stack chains. If you want to be a part of the super chain, if you want the composability, if you want the network effects of optimism, you got to pay the tax to the optimism collective. Here's a question from KiwiDog4. Once we have ZK rollups with permissionless sequencers and trustless bridges, will L2s have basically the same security guarantees as L1? This has also been a Twitter debate recently that that I've Mm -hmm. heard. Um, So the question of will layer twos have the same security guarantees as their layer one? What's your take on that? I think the operative word is will layer twos have basically the same security guarantees as layer one? And yes, basically they will. There will always be some nuances. There will always be some smart contract risks because layer twos are smart contracts. But with permissionless sequencers, trustless bridges, all of the things that decentralize layer two chains, also with some time, some Lindy, layer twos will give you basically the same security guarantees as layer ones. And that is why we are doing the layer two Roadmap. That's why Ethereum is a roll-up centric roadmap because we have found ways uh, to make scalable chains have the same security guarantees as the layer ones. It's always been part of the vision. Um, and so I don't even uh, necessarily think ZK roll-ups are the only, will have a monopoly on this. It's just they have a little bit faster path there. Optimistic roll-ups will have the, also have the same security guarantees, but that, it, that is the layer two vision. The layer one and the layer twos, uh, those lines blur once we get to permissionless sequencers, trustless provisions, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. 
So um, a couple thoughts on that or follow-ups. Addending what you just said, it's important to realize none of the chains are there today. Mm-hmm. All right. So you can see this on layer two beat. It's what I have in front of us. Uh, a lot of them are at stage zero, doesn't mm-hmm. offer that full decentralization or stage one, which is kind of tr- training wheels. They need to get to stage two. Um, and that's where everything is permissionless. Every, the, all the sequencers are completely whitelisted. Upgrades are handled correctly. Um, those are the caveats, and we're certainly not there yet with uh, layer twos. The other thing I'll say is there is this dependency on the trustless bridge from Ethereum to a layer two on that working. So there's some smart contract code there, of course, and smart contract code can have bugs. So there's that dependency as well. But for all intents and purposes, it's almost the same security guarantees as the layer two once we get to. Um, this stage two level for across across these rollups. Remember when layer two only had uh, layer two B only had like four or five layer twos on them. Oh, those are the days. Scroll it's down. How far is it? Oh my god, it keeps on going. 20, 29. 29. We, 29 layer twos. We just got started, David. After once this once we once ether hits all time highs, mm. how many layer twos are going to be on layer two B? Question for you. Make a prediction. Once ether all time highs. You mean that? Yes. Um, the, the summit amount. What's all time highs? You're talking about this cycle. Four thousand three. Uh, Four thousand nine hundred dollars for ether. Once oh, ether. Okay. Once ether breaks all time highs. And is how many? How many? How many? Yeah, Matterhorn and, elevations. And, 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 yeah, hitting 000. the Matterhorn. Yeah. Okay. How many layer twos will be on layer two B? Ooh, uh, I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess nine hundred. Nine hundred. That's sorry. That's my Matterhorn number. Oh, that's your my Matterhorn. Number. Okay. Maybe all time high. I'll, I'll I'll say three hundred. Okay. Back. I was I was gonna go with. I was gonna go with a hundred, but that seems a little low. I'm gonna go. Can I can I get a range? I'm more bullish than you. A hundred to one hundred and fifty layer twos on layer two B when right. ether breaks all time high. All right. Yeah. It's on. The bet's on. on, David. Yeah. Uh, some takes this week. This one from Vance Spencer. What's he saying? Van Spencer says, it's important to internalize. Blue chip DeFi or anything was a meme last cycle. Nobody was generating sustainable cash flows. And to be honest, the industry was a shit show. Yeah, kind of was. Launching a successful protocol and 15 VCs funded forks would come in with tokens and vampire attack you. This cycle is different. Real sustainable cash flows with paths to scale. Large markets, all competitors now dead or thoroughly discouraged. No VC money to fund second, third, fourth, fifth place consolidation, blue chippery. I think mm-hmm. what Vance is saying is we're off of the shitcoin roller coaster and we are focusing on quality and fees. That was one of my big takeaways from ECC is like the maturation and verticalization of so many DeFi protocols. And this is the, the take that Kane Warwick gave me ECC 2022 a year ago. We are in now a bull market for fees. I mean, we turns out we were going through a bear market, actually. But, you know, Ethereum people, we're always just like a couple of years ahead of the curve and uh, and our takes are just like a couple of years too early. Um, but, you know, we're in, we're witnessing you, a layer two summer. You're talking about protocols that capture uh, cash fees, flows, basically. Fees, fees. Fees, revenue. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah now, yeah. they don't flow to the governance token yet, though, right? Like yeah, Uniswap doesn't have there. its fee switch. Well, it has a fee switch. It's just not on. It's not on. Yeah. yeah. Turn that, turn it on. Yeah. Let's stop it. He, uh, he continues and, and Vance says, we figured out where aggregation points are and who the long-term incumbents, incumbents in DeFi will be. We figured out some protocols are features and likely to be rolled into larger incumbents. Exactly what I was saying. If you squint a little bit, you can see the fang of DeFi 
is assembling the fang of DeFi, which uh, Vance is saying is smell, S-M-E-L-L. I don't actually know if he's actually articulated which ones they are. Um, S is probably we know synthetics. know what they start with, though. <laughs> yeah, S is synthetics. M is maker. I don't know what E is. Well, for people L is Lido, and the other one, uh, the second L is, I don't know. Well, for people who aren't familiar with Fang, though, that 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 these are oh, the yeah. tech companies, right? Like we got yeah, Fa- Facebook, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Amazon Netflix, yeah. Google. Yeah. Does Netflix still belong uh, to be there? I don't know if Netflix belongs to be there anymore. Is that, what uh, is the other A Alphabet or is that um, Apple? That's Apple? a good question. Anyway, it's up for debate. It's maybe it's. Uh, well, who else would the G be? Have, it's Apple. It's Apple and Amazon. Oh, uh, yeah. Apple, Jeez, Amazon, Google. Netflix, Google. Uh, we figured it out live. Look at that. Look at us, David. Um, this is a tweet from my co-host here, a take for the week, maybe. Can you feel it? The bull market has started. I feel it, David. I'm hitting like. It? I'm hitting the, retweet. The uh, the comments. Not all. Not everyone feels it in the comments. Oh, really? Yeah, not everyone feels People it. Saying, I feel it. Uh, Anthony feel Sassano it. feels it. Um, he, no, he says the bull market never yeah, the, left. Anthony's, Anthony's <laughs> like a... a, a he doesn't, it doesn't count when you say you're bullish every single day. Um, Can you feel it? The crab market keeps crabbing. That's a reply. Maybe it's just a crab no, market, we're, David. We're, we have doubled in market cap over the last seven months. All right. The bull, I, bullish. I, the, I am, I'm claiming the bull market has started, is what I'm we're saying. Going to Matterhorn. You can, I think you can feel it, yeah. What, what are you bullish on this week, David? Uh, so, well, what I was bullish on last week was that, hey, I'm just bullish, which is also <laughs> what I'm bullish on this week. I'm just bullish. But I will tell you, I'm doing something about it now. Uh, I'm setting up my, my battle station, my bull market battle station. And so what this does that mean? What is that? Yeah. What does that mean? That sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, uh, I bought a cheap little computer to do all my signing, which is not my work computer. So I'm taking my signing and having a cheap little computer that is my crypto signing, uh, computer. I would recommend this for anyone who downloads files or works on their computers like me. Uh, and so I'm getting a dedicated signing computer. Um, and also just setting up all of the websites and infrastructure that I, that I once was a skill, which got rusty in the bear market because, you know, appetites for tokens are gone in the bear market. So this is like, you know, dexscreener.com for, for people that want to stay ahead of the game on dexes, uh, and just making sure that you have your situation prepped to make moves and make moves quickly during Ooh. the bull market. Because if you want to make money in the bull market, you need to be pressing buttons. You need to be pressing send transaction. You need to be approving transactions. You need to be doing things. And so I think it's would behoove everyone to get their wallets in order, make sure that they're, <laughs> I've had problems with my web browser attachments, uh, my extensions, getting those fixed, making sure that you are moments away from making a move if you need to make a move. Um, and just setting up your setup so you can know, know the state of your things, perhaps MetaMask portfolios for you, sponsor. Um, but just like setting up your battle station, making sure that you're ready to go and collecting data and being able to purview the DeFi landscape because I'm saying we are in the first out of a nine inning game. And here we are. That's cool, David. I'm, you know, the DeFi, the crypto battle station is a great idea. Bull market mm-hmm. battle station is a great idea. Yeah. I will also say, and just to take that, you know, the, the traditional Ryan boring type approach here is you also don't have to do that. Oh, you can yes. do that. This is a game that you choose to enter. You do not have to yes. play. The game that you can just choose to play if you're kind of like just um, tired <laughs> right now <laughs> is dollar cost average in yeah. I, and I'll just counter this with the point of like the game that David's playing. I know because I know David, he's not playing with his entire stack. Mm. So he's got a portion kind of set aside, 
Right, he's playing this game. Right, David? The staking, right, David? He's nodding his head. The staking. Head, so yes. the staking stack. Oh, okay. well, that, that, that is a different game. One could play the staking game, which is a different yes. game to play. Yes. And I just want to, um, so that you don't hear from what David just said, all right, I got my bull market battle station. I'm going all in with <laughs> all of my assets on whatever kind of pump and whatever I'm right. feeling good about in this, this bull cycle. I'm going to make it all back this bull cycle. I will just say, I think that boredom has stolen more money from crypto investors yeah. than Sam Bagman freed. Yeah. All right. The worst mistakes I've made in crypto have been because I was bored mm -hmm. and I wanted to click buttons when I shouldn't have. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to click those buttons. Sometimes you have to be um, mm -hmm. cautious and can just dollar cost average it. So the way to manage this in your mind is just partition things. Yes. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. have your staking game that you're playing, yeah. your accumulation game, your kind of like your maybe your ETH game, uh, and then have another game on the side that, that you play and separate those interests, separate those uh, mm -hmm. those accounts and separate them in your mind too. I think it, it is worth noting that there are different games to play. Um, the game that I'm talking about when I'm setting up my bull market battle station is the game that like there, there was two main two yeah two big victories that i had in in terms of financial gain during last bull market one was uh yfi at like two thousand dollars and loot at two one. ether yeah oh you and sold loot that was a good I, idea i did sell i did sell loot <laughs> not at the perfect to top but i definitely made money at, i mean i definitely made money on loot and uh yfi wasn't so fast but it was still pretty fast and you needed to be ready and understand things and, and make your move Loot was extremely fast. And that's the game that I'm talking about. It's the phenomenon comes and you buy, you press buy early and you just ride it and it's a kind of a gamble. Loot was absolutely a gamble. Like it was a fucking text on a JPEG. But this is that, that's the game that I'm referencing. <laughs> and it did just, not work out long term. <laughs> it did not work out long term. It worked out for the short term for people who sold. Um, there's, other, there's other games to play. There is the self-staking at home optimization game where, you know, Ethereum yield is not homogenous. You like you, if you play the game well, can increase your yields just by staking. And so you're not yeah. like perusing Twitter. You're not like making gambles. You're not, you are just refining your system. I can't yep. play that game nearly as well because I leave and go away from home. Uh, and so I can't play that game nearly as well. But that is a very valid game to play as well. So figure yeah, out what game you want to play and then set up your battle station for that. I, another way to say that, and this is kind of classic bankless, is as you enter crypto, choose your character class. Yes. You, know, you start like uh, your Diablo account and mm -hmm. some RPG you're going to play. What are you going to be? A necromancer, barbarian? Like Amazon. what are you going to be, right? Amazon. 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 All right. Yeah. Well, so David is doing this hybrid character class of mm -hmm. like settler slash trader, mm -hmm. but he has like a separation of those things. And right. you know, like uh, you have to choose your character class. You can't like jump from character class to character class or you'll get beat up in this market. Right. Uh, there you go. Yeah. All right, so I've got my battle station set up, Ryan. What, what are you bullish on? What's your battle station look like? You know what? Uh, well, it's not exactly a battle station, David, but uh, I will tell you what I'm bullish on this week. Um, I am bullish on founders that mm. stayed. Uh, the founders, the, the protocol, the DeFi founders in particular, uh, did not orphan their projects early. I feel like that happened with a lot of DeFi projects, right? As um, they got orphaned, kind mm -hmm. of the, the founders left, the parents left before they could grow into functional adults. But there are a number of founders who stayed and I'm very bullish on those those founders, and as a result, I'm I'm bullish on those projects too. Mm -hmm. uh, Synthetics Kane is one. He he kind of left, but now he's he's back a little bit. Um, he, he left with good reason to decentralize the protocol, and then he came back also with good reason. Yes, um, Ave is another. Uh, Stani, uh, Uniswap Hayden Adams is still there. There's a whole list that this Twitter thread uh, pumped out. Uh, Defi Dad talks about the founder of Curve, the founder of Frax, the founder mm -hmm. of Instadap, the founders of Balancer, Liquidity, Nexus, mm -hmm. 
all of these founders stayed. And I just want to give a, a big shout out to uh, the founders who stayed. Mm-hmm. They are settlers, not tourists. And um, yeah, I think we have the potential to build the fangs of DeFi, as Vance was saying. And it's going to be done not over one cycle, but over multiple cycles. Right. And so big shout out to all of the founders who have just dug mm-hmm. deep and had the grit to actually stay through these cycles. Um, I think the results will uh, show for themselves. Yeah, 100%. And also, I will also say that uh, MakerDAO, uh, not just Rune ah, Christian, June, yeah, not yeah. just Rune Christensen, but there's a number mm-hmm. of very early MakerDAO OGs who are still working on MakerDAO and then also have gone off to found other projects. And so, not to say that, like, hey, you must stick with your first project and your first baby until the end of time, but just staying in crypto, like, Bankless was not my first job. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, sticking around generally is always the way to wealth and success. I totally agree. You know what, David? We just mi- we missed the Vitalik take. We did miss we the Vitalik take. We promised that. We yes. teased it. Yes. Okay. This is, this what did you say? This isn't a tweet. This is just uh, what okay. we were talking to Vitalik about um, privately, where he says, I feel like crypto culture might actually be the best that it's ever been in 2023. People's biggest complaints, amazingly, seems to be that, quote, there's too much focus on infrastructure. Yeah, which, I've said that. <laughs> from the point of view of almost any other socio-political system in the world today, sounds like not a complaint, but a success story. Hmm. It's honestly really heartening to hear Vitalik say that crypto culture is in the best place that it's been because crypto culture has not always been so great. <laughs> like, we're, we just we're kind spent of a some of this episode. Yeah. We spent some of this episode talking about the bald token and, yeah. and Richard uh, uh-huh. Skyler. So, you know, yeah. I, it feels good when Vitalik says it. What do you think about this point? That it's actually um, kind of, I, I'll use the words bullish. Vitalik wouldn't use these words. Yeah. The focus on infrastructure is actually bullish, though. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think he's saying this, he's comparing this from socioculturally. He's saying like, yeah, this is compared to like governments and like cities and, you know, city, pl- like uh, organization planners, like mm-hmm. crypto. We're complaining that like everyone's building infrastructure where the rest of the world generally has failing infrastructure, at least the United States does. Yeah. Um, and like, so, can we get more infrastructure? Right. And so I think if, even if we're like over indexing on infrastructure, Good, because crypto is supposed to last for generations upon generations. Like, that's a good thing that we're over-indexing on infrastructure. So, bullish. You ready for Meme of the Week, David? I am ready for Meme of the Week, yeah. Mm-hmm. Here it is. I, I think this is you when you came back down from the mountain. This is exactly <laughs> What are we me, looking at? Bro? Okay, so this is Pseudo-Theos from the Scroll uh, team. So this is the uh, meme of the guy coming back into the room with pizza boxes. And the quote is, me taking a day off of crypto. This is how I felt, because I left to climb the Matterhorn Sunday morning, and then I came back and all of this was happening. Viper's zero day bug, curve exploit, Ave stables depegging, base one way bridges into bald tokens. This all happened into like, not even in 24 hours, dude. This is 12 hours, all of that yeah. happened. That was insane. He, he comes back in the apartment with pizza boxes and it's just absolute Every, chaos. chaos. There's Mayhem. fires and fighting. Mayhem. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it feels like to be in crypto for sure. That's why you can't take a day off. Can't and I, we off, hope yeah. you don't take a week off the weekly roll up because our job is to absorb all of this chaos and then relay <laughs> the signal behalf, to you. Yeah. Our mental health <laughs> hope is you great. Risk <laughs> <laughs> disclaimers. Got to end with this, of course. None of this has been financial advice. Crypto is risky. You could lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot.